0: Hey everyone, this is Darren with a quick note about today's podcast. This is the last podcast that we are going to post in the More to the Story series. If you've been following along with us, congratulations, you've made it. If this is your first podcast, I invite you to go back about 20 months and begin with More to the Story episode 1. We've been following our sermon series all the way through and... Today is the last podcast recording that you get to listen to in that series. So we want to thank you very much for hanging with us and for being a loyal and faithful listener. And we also would love to know, what do you want us to do next? Um, If you've been listening, Rob always gives our email, life at ForefrontChurch.tv. Many of you listening may even know who we are. We invite you to let us know what content you would love to hear more of. Uh, whether it's apologetics or more doctrine or just Rob and Drew speculating, uh, whatever it is, we would love to know. So please uh, talk to us. Uh, But thanks again for for hanging with us. And without further ado, here is our last podcast
1: for More to the Story. You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, more to the story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story.
2: Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. This week we have with us Pastor Darren Enns. How you doing? Doing good. Good, good. Pastor Drew Tarwater, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. Good to be with you guys, as always. And I'm Rob Blasey. And we are just trying to stay warm this week as the weather has turned.
0: so the dark side.
2: Oh my goodness. (laughs) The blankets have come back out. Pumpkin spice lattes are in the air, which I had. We should have talked about more in our Revelation series. Like, if pumpkin spice lattes come out too soon, is that a sign? Is that like a horseman of the apocalypse?
0: <laughs> I think it might you know, be. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of posts about tamales instead of pumpkin spice. Like, the real reason for fall is tamales.
2: Oh, now see, that's a that's a movement I can get behind. Is it? Yeah. Wow,
3: I thought it was like smoked barbecued.
0: Well, brisket. I mean, I I I don't eat a whole lot of tamales. Oh, okay, but.
3: Yeah, yeah. I just I've seen some Facebook posts about it. <laughs> I just think football season, wings and brisket. But yeah, it's good and tamales. And when do you yeah, So, so when, There we today. go.
2: When do you not think just wings and brisket, Drew? Though? like that's like is that
3: that's like a, a four season? A point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just the start of every sports season, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Darren, a few weeks ago, you wrapped up Revelation for us. Could you give us a recap?
3: Correct.
0: Uh, well, I I tried to wrap up the whole Bible. Um, yeah, Drew's brief to me was. <laughs> How do we go from a garden to a city? Preach it. Good luck. (laughs) Tie tie it all together.
3: I know we've been preaching through the Bible for 20 months. So uh, why don't you wrap it up for us?
0: Yeah, It was a a monumental day, but it was a good one. So I I decided to talk through uh, one theme of Scripture from Genesis Revelation, specifically on the presence of God and how he desired to be with humanity from the very beginning. So that's how he set up the garden. Um, And there's a unique thing throughout, especially the Old Testament, where there's a threefold construction of places where God is. So the garden um, is in Eden, and it's in the east. So there's a garden, that's one. There's Eden, which is two. And there's an east, which is three. And the center of that is where God is. And so God wanted to be there. He walks in the cool of the day with them and experiences a presence with them in in a unique way that we haven't had since. And something happened, um, but God wants to constantly be back with His people. The Ark also has a lower, a middle, and an upper deck. Uh, the Ark is a is a new kind of Eden that He starts over with Noah, uh, but it gets messed up again. And eventually, He saves Israel and has them build a tabernacle, which has an outer courtyard, a whole a holy place, and the most holy place where God dwells. Um, and he dwells with his people for a while. And then the temple is built, of course, but eventually God leaves the temple because of the rampant disobedience of the Israelite kings and, and people in general. Um, and he, he hasn't come back again in a physical place other than Jesus Christ himself. Um, John describes Jesus as dwelling with his people. setting up, And then that word there is a Greek word skenos, which means it's, it's a verb form of the, of the noun tabernacle. So Jesus tabernacled among us, and God's presence came down in a person, uh, the Son of God. And then in Acts 2, uh, once Jesus did all of his work on the cross, that same presence that was in Jesus came to dwell in his disciples and all who believe. And so God's presence is with us in a unique way. And Paul picks up on this as well in, in 1 Corinthians and says, yeah, "Like your, your body is a temple, and so you need to treat your body with respect. He applies that specifically to sexual immorality. And finally, we get to Revelation in this vision of, of a temple, a grand city temple at the end that is a cube, which is the same dimensions as the Holy Holies, uh, the most holy place in the temple tabernacle. And God is with his people, dwelling with them face to face in such a way that has not been since the garden. Since Eden, um, and God always wants to be with us, and so I traced that theme um, and talked about, you know, trying to apply it a little bit. Like that should change us. God's presence is in in us as believers, in us as the church, right. and and that changes our outlook on on our life and how we treat our day to day activities as we as we live it out mm. and bring out God's kingdom.
3: Yeah, it's so good.
2: So then, when we think about like the whole. St- story of the Bible is really, like you're saying, is like paradise restored or the garden restored. So is that what we can look forward to uh, from what we know of, of what life will be like after this life is like the garden of Eden restored? Yeah, I, I think
3: if you look at the entire scope um, or, you, you know, the, the arc of the Bible, the, the greater story, you just see... This beautiful picture of a God who is a creator God, who creates people to do life with. You know, if you go back to the garden, right, you see that God creates this beautiful space, this beautiful environment with. Gorgeous trees, and you know we have a world full of mountains and and lakes and rivers, and and then jewels and and all these beautiful animals, and then God is walking with mankind in the cool of the day. I mean, what a beautiful picture of this community uh, that we have with God. And then you see as the storyline progresses, as sin enters the world, you have this brokenness that that breaks our relationship with God. It breaks that community and that communion with God. And the entire story is a pursuit of God redeeming that relationship back again. You know, Genesis chapter 3, you see that there is this, um, you know, God says, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to fix everything that was broken. Genesis 3.15, he even gives us that picture, right, of what's going to happen with Jesus and the, the enemy, with the devil um, on the cross. And so then you see the storyline of God and, and Noah's family, he, you know, not, it's through Noah's family that he's going to bless the world, and then it's through Abraham's family, and he chooses Abraham's family—Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph—the nation of Israel—to be the line that God sends Jesus through. But at the same time, God the whole time is is living with his people, right, in the tabernacle, mm-hmm. as Darren said. God is uh, teaching them what it looks like to live in community. When we look at the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, all the laws, it's telling people how to live in guideline, by guidelines of doing community together, to honor each other, respect each other. So even though they're not in the garden with God as it was what meant to be, what's meant to be at the beginning because of sin, God is still reconciling and redeeming and restoring. But ultimately, because of sin and brokenness, you see this storyline continue the whole Old Testament, and it's really just a picture of Israel, is a picture of the heart of mankind, right? You mm-hmm. know, we we God rescues us. We think we know better. We mess up, and God redeems us again. And but yet, there's this promise that continues, Rob, and that's what you're talking about. It's promise of of paradise restored. It's the promise that the Messiah is going to come. is going to make everything right. And then Jesus comes in and he lives that life and he shows us who God is. You know, it, it, he said, you know, the disciples are like, Jesus, show us the father and that, that's all we need. And Jesus is like, well, look at me. You see your heavenly father. You know, Jesus, Jesus reveals himself. God reveals himself to us by Jesus becoming one of us. And then you have this picture then throughout the Old Testament that God is redeeming and reconciling his people. Until that one day, that promise that Jesus says, when he comes back, he'll make everything right again. And I think that's where Darren lands at. It's the picture of the the, the new Jerusalem, right? The holy city, mm-hmm. new heaven and new earth in Revelation 22 that we sometimes pull out and we, we say, oh, well, the new world's going to be this square with streets of gold and pearly gates to get in. Eldorado. Eldorado, right. <laughs> But really, it's a picture, again, of all of the things that God's trying to communicate to us about community and about our relationship with him and his presence dwelling with his people. So, Rob, yes, we can look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, which we should talk about today. What does that really look like? But I think the picture is God, once again, like we were in the garden together with his people, perfectly walking in community. Mm-hmm. That was a long-winded answer.
2: No, and I, I like the imagery you guys have used with like where we started with a garden, but like we finishes with a city. But what what's why the city? Why don't we go back to a garden?
0: <laughs> I I I don't know if this this might be speculation. You can call it if it is, but I think it's it's got some biblical principles. Um, I, I do find myself doing this a lot more at the end, um, <laughs> rather than the beginning. More of speculating. The Bible. More speculating. Hey, Darren, in, yeah. hey Darren,
2: like Darren, just enjoy it. Enjoy. the, enjoy the, the speculation. It's just en- the stream.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so the natural arc of humanity is to create and to order things just like God did. God gave us the responsibility to continue his ordering and like expanding the borders of the Garden of Eden. That's what the image of God really is, is to be fruitful and multiply and bring God's presence to the earth. That's what the Israelites are supposed to do. That's what we are supposed to do. And so as that happens, Naturally, humans are going to congregate into places and build cities. It just naturally happens. We move from an agrarian society to an urban society, from rural rural to, to a city. And so it's a natural progression to think that as humanity expands the borders of the Garden of Eden, eventually the entire earth will be covered by the presence of God, and it will be more glorious. There'll be beautiful art and architecture and culture in this city. Uh, I think that is something that we can read into this image as as how how we're expanding God's presence and and this city it encompasses the whole like the, there there might be something outside I don't know if we're going to talk about that that there's references to like nothing bad will ever enter it or the vile people are outside I don't know but but there seems to be something where this holy city the new Jerusalem comes down and it encompasses everything. The new heaven and earth is a city. That's what it is described as, encompassing everything. Is that an image that we can draw literal conclusions from? Perhaps. I think we sometimes run into trouble by making these images too literal. No doubt, yeah. Um, and, but again, it, it, what does that image represent? It, it, is the city going to cover everything? Is God's presence everywhere? I think it certainly is.
3: I think there's a a, a beautiful picture of the city as the new Jerusalem as well. So if you think about the Jerusalem, that was the city of David. That was the city where the temple was, right? This is where God lived.
0: And they started to describe the future in terms of Zion, right? Which exactly. is which is a blending of a heavenly city that's still called Jerusalem, right? But but still is like Zion as well.
3: Yeah, it's this picture of where it gets back to what you God's said. God's mountain. God's mountain. God's dwelling place, Mm -hmm. God's presence. That's what it gets back to, right? And so, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, the holy city of Jerusalem. So if you were a Jew living in the time of Jesus, going to Jerusalem was special because that's where you went to the temple, to be in the presence of God. That's where you went to make your sacrifice or that's where you went to the festival to celebrate who God was. And so there is this like longing and looking forward to going up for these festivals and feasts, a place to remember and be in the presence of God. And so what a beautiful picture of God's, you know, this beautiful picture of, of, eternity, paradise restored of God being with his people and the picture that Jews would have understood when this was written right, of a holy city of Jerusalem. But now it's been restored and perfected, beautiful streets of gold and pearly gates. Don't I mean, don't forget, Jerusalem's got multiple gates when you walk into the old city. Yeah. So that's the idea, the pearly gate, right? There's all of this imagery of the city of Jerusalem that first century Jews who became Christians would have understood, that we kind of, we, you know, we've said this over and over again. We pull it out and kind of make it fantasy and all these things. But really, it again, it's just imagery that communicates God's presence with his people, which is what our hearts desire.
0: And the future Jewish hope was a real temple and God's presence really dwelling there. And right. and, and that still is today. They're still waiting for God's presence to be in a temple in Jerusalem. Right. Um but as we look back at the prophets, we can see they started to reimagine what the future of God's presence with them really looked like. And that's where we get things from Ezekiel 3637, Joel chapter two, where it talks about God pouring out his spirit on all people, not just coming down to one person for this task at this time. But but the spirit of God is, is constantly with his people at all times, not in a physical location, but dwelling in and through the people who are part of the remnant of Israel, part of the the people who believe, who are faithful. And, and are following him constantly. There's, there's a change and a shift that we as Christians see that, that Jews will not, will, they, they might see it, but they still don't think it happened in Jesus, that they're still waiting for a Messiah and a literal temple to happen. And so that, and th- that's a question for us too, because a lot of Christians even will think that there needs to be, like, great, Israel was established in, again, in 1948 or yeah, somewhere around there. Right. And so, like, yeah, we're close. We're on the way to the end. Um, but the, I I have questions about is that what Revelation means like do we need a literal Israel because we have we haven't been operating under that for a long time because the, the right. temple the temple isn't a thing are yeah. the temple because we're the temple we're the temple yeah
3: yeah Israel it's a secular state right now it is know? secular yeah it it doesn't view itself as the people of God mm-hmm. anymore they just view themselves as a nation just like other nations of the world I think. One of the things I love, Rob and Darren, is that when we look at, you know, we look at scripture and we we say, and we firmly believe that this is the word of God breathed out through the Holy Spirit, through the pens of authors, 44 different authors who wrote 66 different books on three different continents over the course of 3,500 years, and one of the reasons I see it as um, trustworthy and reliable is is, is it tells the same story. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me that 44 different people in different languages on different continents are are conspired together to tell the same story.
0: And they don't sugarcoat anything. They don't sugarcoat anything. They're brutally honest with how how messed up they are.
3: Yeah, And, and, (laughs) and this picture of a temple, you know, Darren, you talked about that in the sermon, and you know, you see, okay, God's presence is with people in the garden, and then God's presence is with them in the tabernacle. And then Jesus comes to be God's presence on the earth. Mm -hmm. Jesus leaves and sends his Holy Spirit to live in the hearts of his people. But the temple now is us, the church. And you know, what's funny is, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, you know, you know, I'm in high school and, you know, I'm joking about getting my ear pierced or whatever, you know, (laughs) my dad's like, your body is a temple. You know, and, it, you know, that kind of stuff, right? You know. Like, hey, don't eat bad because your body is a temple. Don't, you know, cover yourself in, you know, crazy designs because your body is a temple. And yes, the Holy Spirit does live in us.
0: The tabernacle had etchings on it. Yeah, right. There's stuff <laughs> stitched right in the curtain.
3: Yeah. So, you know, a cool, a cool, uh, <laughs> a little you know, seraphim. Seraphim, seraphim tattoo, you know. But the idea that all of the language we see in the New Testament about temple is you. It's really, it's like you-ins, right? Yous. Y'all. Y'all.
0: We need we need the authorized Texas version. It says, yeah, y'all. ATV.
3: Because the temple is us. It's not Forefront Church. Right. And it's, it's not
0: you individually. It's not
3: Drew or Darren or Rob. It's all of us as believers. We yeah. are the temple. Uh, stones, as Peter talks about, being built upon one another. And then we get this picture at the very end of this new city, which is the temple where God dwells and lives with his people. So again, Rob, it's paradise restored, right? God is with us in the garden. We mess it up because of sin. Jesus comes, fixes what was broken, gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live the life we were created to live. And then he comes back to live with us again in paradise restored in the new city, which is the the restoration of the garden. Uh, It's a beautiful picture that that you know, works its way through the thread of the storyline of the entire Bible, and when we step back to see it, it helps us to see that what God wants for us isn't for me to make sure that I say my prayers every morning and that I read three chapters of the Bible and that I open the door for nice old ladies. I should do all those things because I love to do those things, and that's a sign of being made new in Jesus, right? But it's that God wants me to pursue him and to see that he's pursuing me and to do relationship with the one that loves us and created us and gave his life for us. And it isn't about rule keeping. It isn't about regulations. It isn't about trying to climb a ladder to heaven, but it's about trying to be with the one who came for us and who created us. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off of us, but it also gives us that true feeling of freedom and fullness that we were designed to have.
2: Absolutely. Going back to the speculation part, because that's the fun part. (laughs) <laughs> is, uh, if we're going back to like with the garden restored is there going to be the tree of life again
0: that's the image we get because yeah. there's a yeah in, so in chapter 22 there's a river which again is garden imagery because there was one river that split four ways to become the headwaters of all the major rivers in the ancient world at that time mm-hmm. um, and this river is back but then there there's a tree on each side or on both sides which how how does that work? I I have a question about that. Like, is it the is it the Avatar tree, or is it a is it a tree from Kashyyyk with the Wookies that's just mm. massive? Like, you know how how does that work?
3: It's kind of like the the redwood forest, and you can drive through the
0: yeah. So the water just cut cut its way through. Just it. cuts it way, yeah. its way through. Anyway, so you can see how easy it is to think too hard about this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Just> absolutely. That <laughs> just the tree is there. The river is there and and it's um the the tree is is fully accessible again that that's the big um th- that's the big imagery here because the reason for the expulsion of humanity from the garden was to limit the access to the tree of life like humanity can't live forever or else that like that they're going to like destroy the world completely and so that was the first thing that god did was he he set up a barrier a protection over his his creation against the evil that humans had brought in. So humans had no access to the tree of life anymore, which represented death. You know, uh, when God said, um, you, you'll, you'll die if you eat of it. Um, the humans don't, don't die right then and there, but there is a spiritual death and then eventually a physical death that happens as well. And so, um, you know we read some grace into that of course that that it's not immediate judgment that there's continued chances but we see the the tree of life is finally back and there's there's 12 crops of fruit yeah a significant number yeah I mean, and, and yielding C12 its in fruit in the
3: bible it's divine defi- it, you know divine authority and god's protection and
0: and, and god's people right you know? um, and there's there's yielding its fruit every month so again, it, are there no seasons in heaven? No. no, that's not what it's supposed to say. It's just right. we have full a- unfettered access. Right. to to this tree. It's not cuz I love the season change. Yeah. We all do. We all long for it to be hot when it's cold and when then when it's cold we long for it to be hot. Like that's that's a good thing that <laughs> so like how can you ski without any snow? Right. How can you go to the beach without heat? So anyway,
3: Well, I think too, the picture of the tree and the river, it shows us that God is the one sustains and it gives life, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, there's the, there's the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Hey, don't touch that one because I want you to trust me, but eat from the tree of the, of life, Mm -hmm. drink from the river of life. And then back in the garden or back in the city at the end, it's restored. Like here's, here's God who is the sustainer of life. Who's the creator of life, who gives you exactly what you need. So trust him. So, uh, is there a physical tree? I, there's a physical tree in the garden. So why wouldn't there be a physical tree when heaven and earth are restored? Sure. Um, but you know, the picture that I always see is that God created the universe. God created this earth to be the place for His people to live. And so, when Jesus returns, I don't think we're you know like you said, Darren. It, it's uh, it's God's presence with His people. So I foresee a picture of this earth as it is made right again there's no earthquakes right there's no tornadoes there's no floods Um, but it's a picture of the way God created this earth to be mankind living on it so we're gonna have mountains and we're gonna have rivers and we're gonna have all these beautiful things without the curse without any of the brokenness and we're gonna be able to live and praise God and to be able to you know enjoy what God has created for us in its full splendor in its perfection and I think that's what the new heaven and the new earth is that mankind is living together on the physical planet earth that God created it to be looking at the beautiful stars in the heavens that God made for us to, to gasp and awe at his wonder. But everything has been perfected. Like the lion laying with the lamb, as it says that there's no more sin and death and tears. It's what our hearts desire. It's the reason all of us feel like something's missing because it is, we won't ever feel like we're missing something until that day when we can live in the new earth with everything restored to paradise.
0: A, a funny image came to my mind when you were talking about the animals laying down. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it's a Simpsons episode, it's some kind of animated <laughs> yeah. thing, yeah. but there's, <laughs> I think like Homer is in heaven or something like that and he wants bacon and so a pig just walks up and lies down and Homer gets bacon.
3: <laughs> just like drops some and bacon And like the, the pig's
0: still alive. Yeah. The pig just walks here's off. Here's some bacon. Didn't get but, hurt at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So, I have no idea.
2: We've been going through the you know the whole story of the Bible for about 20 months. What did you guys learn? Like I'll pick on each one of you so like what did you come away with after 20 months of study that maybe you were surprised that you saw or learned that changed you guys over the 20 months of study? Like what did what did you what surprised you in what you studied and what you learned? I'll start with Darren.
0: <laughs> I'm still Yo, to i feel like a I teacher
2: like, to, i'll feel like a teacher to I know, class. Yeah. i'm gonna call on anyone i want
0: well so so when we started this i actually had no idea what we were going to do once we got to revelation because that was um while i was still in seminary and still in class and i hadn't taken the seminary course yet or the, the revelation course um do they wait so till the end of the
2: seminary for that class like do they make it wait till no the
0: end? i i just waited till my second <laughs> my penultimate semester which was when we were just getting the New Testament, I think.
3: For those of you who don't know, that means next to last, <laughs> penultimate. penultimate. <ultimate>. Sorry, <laughs> um,
0: I blame my college choir director. He always used that word, and it became normal to me. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and it, what did I learn? Man, goodness, Rob, talk about no warning. I think <laughs> I, I I knew it would be tough uh, to to cut things out and not talk about things, but I think. It it was more difficult than I thought to to do that. Like we we had we had really desired to talk about some of the women, especially, um, and, and really bring out things like Ruth and Esther, right. Rahab, uh, Mary, uh, both of Jesus' mother and Magdalene, and, and a lot of those kind of things. But we 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 decided in the end that for the for the gist of the greater story. You know, focusing on those on those characters wasn't the main thing because it was through through the patriarchs. It was at uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the kings who were also men, um, and, and that that was something difficult. And also, as um, at, it's it's really figuring out what to do. So we spent a lot more time on Jesus than we thought, mm-hmm. which which is good. It's I good. mean, Jesus is is important. We we completely skipped the epistles. I don't know if anybody noticed that. We didn't read it. We didn't have a sermon on a single epistle. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to outline those things. And, you know, the, the initial sketch was for a year. Yeah. um And then it be added eight months to it. So <laughs> here we are. Yeah. I don't know.
3: It was tough. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was tough to, to try to figure out where you spend time and where you don't, you know, we spent a lot of time in Genesis and Exodus, but right. then we,
0: we flew through the, we flew through and,
3: the Kings, you know, and then, yeah, we spent, eight months in the life of Jesus, and then, you know, we flew through the book of Acts. And I feel like the Acts does give us a lot of uh, the lead up for the epistles, but you're right. We didn't, we didn't really get to spend much time there. And then mm-hmm. we hit high level on Revelation. Uh, I thought it was still really fun and good, but you know, some, we could have spent 12 weeks in Revelation and we spent six. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, Rob, I think what I learned, what, what was really beautiful as we went through this is I think when we came into this, you know, I mean, we've been reading the Bible for, for many years, you know, and I've, man, I've been blessed by God to be able to read through the Bible a, a few times in a year. And sometimes when you get in the weeds of just kind of day-to-day Bible reading and devotion time and that kind of stuff, you're, you're so engulfed in that text that you're reading for that day. Um, you don't see how it connects with the big story. And so Rob, by stepping back and saying, "Hey, we're gonna carry," you know, we we took we had nine different sermon series that fit into one overarching storyline, and as we did, I I was so encouraged. How I don't think I I, I should say this in a positive way. I think that every storyline tied together in a beautiful way that we didn't anticipate that as we saw Genesis and Exodus and the Kings and the life of Jesus, that we never got really, I don't know that we ever got off path and started speaking about individual topics that didn't fit the storyline. I think it all ties together to this beautiful arc of God's redemption, God's kindness, God's love, God's pursuit of us, um, Jesus coming to make everything right. So I I loved how I, if, if you If you're a member of Forefront or you've been following along with our sermon series or these podcasts, I hope you've seen how it all ties together beautifully into the big picture, the 10,000-foot view. Of course, you can drop to the 100-foot view and you can pull at all these little threads, but the 10,000-foot view is one beautiful story that ties together.
0: So did we do the 10,000-foot view? Or did we do 30,000?
3: We probably did. Sometimes we did 30,000. I think we kind of maybe, we're like an airplane that was dodging the clouds, right? Yeah. We moved up and down a little bit.
0: Uh, you, something you you mentioned uh, jogged my memory. I recently read through uh, First and Second Chronicles, and the majority of First Chronicles is just lists of people. I don't <laughs> know if you've ever read right. Chronicles, yeah. that's what it is. It's a, it's all about the administration of the temple and this genealogy and that person's kid and this person's father. Right. Um. And and I what what happened though as I read that as I was struck by th- the names and then the life lived by each one of these people Mm. in the context like every one of those names was a real person who are just like you and me who had real experiences trying to follow god trying to do their job and i I was just like there's so much history here that's just not written down right it's like how many years was lived by by this by this one son of this priest yeah and what experiences did they have as they were trying to follow god and do what was right And and all the the perils of the ancient world too. Mm. Like, I I, yeah I was just struck by by the amount of people, the the amount of names, and how much life was lived in the gaps of those names. Yeah. And and to to think about all those people that were here now and we're just kind of flying over. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's, man. There's so many conversations we're gonna (laughs) have once we see those people in heaven.
2: So then, as we wrap this up and we finish the you know the story through the Bible. Like so, what like, what closing thoughts do you guys have on wrapping it up, putting a bow on the series? And what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I often say when when someone like comes to my Bible study and they're like, "This is this is so complex," or like I've never seen this before, or you put it in in a different light, and I, I often remind them that the Bible is simple enough to understand the main story about salvation. Like you you read through it and you get the gist. But it is complex enough for multiple lifetimes worth of study. Some pastors ha- have tried to preach through the Bible in their lifetime, and then they get to the end and they don't—they know they're not done. Like, did someone recently do that? I don't know, John MacArthur or, or uh, someone famous like f- finished and retired, right. like preach yeah. Revelation twenty-two and sat down. Um, but like they—they d- they know that they didn't yeah. preach everything. Like right. you, you you just can't fifty-two Sundays a year times 30 years if, if you get 30 whatever. if you're super lucky you get 60 like from yeah. 22 to 85 oh, right I don't know. that'd be epic but like you, you you just can't you can't do it no the, there's so much in there and yet countless people throughout the history of the earth have understood the main story that that leads to jesus yeah yeah
3: yeah, I would say, I echo what you just said. You know, the Bible, I, I heard it once, said the Bible is the repository of redemptive revelation. You know, it's like you will always, <laughs> always be able to go back and mine it for gold. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the Bible, you know, the storyline that we've talked about for 20 months, um, it's a, it's a simple to understand storyline with so many characters and so many different themes. Um, and as you go down and you pull at the thread, and you, and you look at it, there's so much gold there to be mined. And so, you know, when we started this series, Rob, and, and to mm-hmm. kind of wrap it up now, we said that what we want is for the people of Forefront and anybody that can tune into this podcast or this sermon series, we want their knowledge of God's word to grow. We want people to be able to read the Bible for all it's worth and to understand what God has to say, to understand what God's revealing to us. And I hope that you did that, and I hope that as you did, you got to see how it all blends together into this beautiful you know, tapestry that God is weaving for us for this beautiful story of redemptive revelation. And so I think my takeaway is this, Rob. Don't ever stop learning. Don't ever stop reading. Don't ever stop diving deeper, because every time you read the story of Jesus healing the the lepers, you're going to see something new. Every time you read the story of Jesus with Martha and Mary, you're going to see something new. And it's just beautiful. My my soul sings when I find a new nugget of gold in one of the Bible stories that we've been reading our entire um, adult lives or or however long you've been a believer. Uh, So now that we've finished this, I hope it encourages people to dive deeper and to answer those questions that they've always wondered because now they have some tools to be able to to discern what's going on as they've learned more and more throughout the series.
2: No, absolutely. So appreciate that. Anything else you guys want to say before we wrap this up today? Okay. I'll take that as a note. <laughs> well, one, one last
3: thing, Rob. So if you're, if you, if you've hung with us this long, um, if I encourage you to go back to our website forefrontchurch.tv, and look at our greater story resources tab, because in that you're going to be able to find all of the sermons, all of the podcasts, and and so many notes throughout the series. So it you know not everybody obviously was able to catch every every sermon. Mm-hmm. So go back and see what you missed. Uh, go back and listen to some of them because you'll learn some things that maybe you missed at the time. And listen to some of these podcasts because I think it's going to help bring more things to life. So our hope is that we could create a library that people could use and go back to for years to come. And I'd love to hear the feedback of our listeners to is that has that been helpful mm-hmm. and encourage them to keep digging?
2: No, absolutely. If, if you've got a question thought, or, you know, you stayed in touch with us for the whole series, or you have questions of the series, life at forefront email us, let us know what you thought, what you want to see maybe next time they next series. I don't even know what you guys are doing next now. So What's on the radar? Oh, you guys are done. You guys like, "Yep, we did it." Yeah, I retired. (laughs) Time to time to go be a CPA. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go make surfboards somewhere.
2: No, we started a new series called "Come
3: and See." We're looking at John chapter one, where Jesus calls his disciples. Um, So, you know what? What we're gonna do here is we're gonna keep preaching the Bible and keep teaching people about Jesus and asking Him to keep showing us how to live. Absolutely. So keep tuning in. And, you know, while this podcast is over, we'll still do stuff. We're still going to do more podcasts, and we'll, we may launch a whole new series soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the time being, I know Rob's probably got some better things to to, to uh, focus on in the coming weeks.
2: It's fantasy football season. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so thank you, Rob, so much for being with us on this journey. Thank you, Darren, so much. It's been a pleasure being with you guys week in, week out as we talk about this series. Thank and you, guys. I'm
2: excited yep. what God's going to do through the next series that we start preaching on here uh, this fall amen absolutely if you get questions thoughts life at forefront once again pastor darren ends thank you so much for the time
0: you bet we'll see you soon hopefully pa-
2: pastor drew tarwater thank you so much for your time god bless you guys thanks to all the people that joined us the special guests we've had over the 20 months to help us tell the greater story and thanks for listening i'm rob blasey
1: you have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Ends of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.